The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. So this is not our first mushroom rodeo. As I said off the top, we talked about the immune support, the benefits to brain and cognition, cancer, really super supportive with turkey tail in terms of cancer, the boost in energy that you can get from something like cordyceps, and just the overall antioxidant longevity type benefits, anti-aging even comes into this conversation, really in having mushrooms in your day. Now, from someone who buys mushrooms every week from my local market, from chanterelles to oysters to morels and cinnamon caps, and even just the more common portobellos and creminis too, I get them all and spend a good portion of my market budget on them. Now, I cook them up because it's important to cook them and to reap the health benefits. Sometimes I add them to an omelet. Well, actually, it's much more of like a whole pile of mushrooms busting out of a flat egg that if I'm on, if I'm honest, you know, it's just, it's just an excuse to have an egg and mushrooms all together. Then I top it with some black garlic, some herbs, and then, hey, that's, I'm set for lunch along with a little side of greens going on there. And it's just tremendous. I blended up mushrooms and mixed them like half and half with grass-fed beef and made some beautiful burger type patties as well and then of course the epic soup that I talked about in my newsletter that I sent out last week and lots of people were were replying saying what's the recipe what's the recipe and I didn't actually have a recipe it was um, mushrooms coconut milk a whole bunch of garlic I think I put a little bit of onion in there some thyme and that was pretty much it blended up and hey presto that is mushroom soup so pretty easy to do These are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what can be done with these fungi. Then, you know, there are all sorts of powders, there's tinctures, there's capsules. And I actually have been rotating through the different ones just to kind of see what the effect is. You know, if you've listened to this this podcast before, that I have my skin boost or my kid boost every morning. I have my Alka-C, which are both from my Take This by Leanne supplement line you'll find on, on SpartWrite.com. Also the liposome B-complex liquid that is crucial to my day to keep my energy up. And also collagen, that all goes into my morning drink. And then now I pile in the powders too, just to see what's going on. Am I doing it right? Well, we're going to ask those questions today. Now I have definitely found that I have more energy. My mind does feel clearer for all the things that I think about during the day being an overthinker. So I do believe that I'm feeling an improvement. So how do you get in on the action too? Well, there are many ways. And before you jump in, let's talk about what's available out there, what to look for when you're buying, and to deal with some of the the questions that might come up that you know, might fall into that misinformation category that you may have come across. 
Now, to share her wisdom on mushroom, as well as her specialty in gut health and hormone balancing, all the way from Los Angeles, as we're in Toronto, Dr. Mary Paradis is a naturopathic medical doctor and a certified functional medicine doctor. She's the founder of Modern Med, M-O-D-R-N Med, which is a telemedicine and virtual wellness company that provides medical and health services to clients from the comfort of their own homes. I think that's genius. And for those who can't necessarily work one-on-one with a modern medicine practitioner, Dr. Mary also has a course that she's created called Gut Health that really gets into the most common gut-related complaints, natural solutions to start healing. Now, I can't wait to hear what Dr. Mary has to say because, you know, as a colleague in the field of gut health with that speciality that she's got going on, I think we can learn a thing or two from her. So welcome to Eat This with Leanne, Dr. Mary. Thanks so much for coming on. It's a real pleasure to meet you and introduce you to our lovely, loyal listeners. Oh, thank you, Leanne. I'm excited to be here. Great. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what on earth got you interested in mushrooms? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a naturopathic doctor um, and by trade, like when you, if you go to naturopathic medical school, um, your first year in there, you you go into this room and like you look around and it looks like Hogwarts. So part of um, the naturopathic <laughs> medicine curriculum is that you have four years of herbal medicine. And it really is like Hogwarts and that like for my creative side and like the little girl that wanted to be a witch so bad, like I absolutely loved it. Um, you seem and, like a, you and, seem like a Hufflepuff to me, Mary. Ah, uh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, that's that's a compliment. Okay, good. A compliment. <laughs> Um, maybe Gryffindor, but we won't have that argument right now. It sounds Um, like a sensitive topic. Yeah. I mean, it's a little, if if my third grade best friend is listening, she'll be going to be like, what? Um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, so really like my love for herbs and plants and mushrooms and everything medicinal started, um, even before that, but that was like, wow, this is amazing. We, we made tinctures in there and decoctions and teas and I mean, creams and everything. Um, and so that was like a real eye opening experience to the power of herbs, um, through that program and then using them with patients after graduation, Um, And so, and so there's that aspect where it's this mixture of like creativity and using herbs and mushrooms as medicine, which I think, you know, we've done for thousands and thousands of years as humans. Um, And then there's also the interest um, that I have in in psychedelic mushrooms too. And so I've, Mm. um, there's been some interviews I've done with Mudwater's team and just my personal experience with psychedelic mushrooms, psilocybin containing mushrooms um, in, in just over the last few years with those. Um, And that's, much more of like a mental health kind of self-discovery journey. Um, and so I have two I sides think we of mushrooms. I already have you back on to talk about that one because that's, oh, sure. that's a fascinating topic that I haven't quite dove into yet. So you might be our intro. Thank you. Yeah, please. Absolutely. And whereabouts, where did you go to school? I went to Bastyr University, um, the one in San Diego. There's a couple campuses, but I did the, I did the warm weather one for obvious reasons. So there's like this, like, Mushrooms, you know, there's different trends, health trends and things like that, that, you know, kind of have coconut happened a while ago. Then there was charcoal and and all that kind of stuff. There's like this resurgence of mushrooms, not that they really ever went out of fashion, but 
why, why do you think that this is like the, the latest health kick? Yeah. And it really is. I read something the other day that like the, the market, the mushroom market was um, valued at like 60 million last year. And they're projecting like 90 billion by 2027. Ooh. It's like, insane. We're getting up to like a trillion dollar mark. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, so yes, there is a resurgence for sure. The numbers um, tell us that. And, and I think it's two parts. So I think that there is a part where um, maps and all of the institutions that are really leading the ground in decriminalization for psilocybin containing mushrooms, um, really in the medical lane and fields where we're saying, okay, that there's a real medicinal use for these psychedelic based mushrooms. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of creating just discussion around mushrooms in general. And then it's also the decriminalization is opening up the door to say, okay, this is going to be a market. Like just like we saw with marijuana legalization, um, just as we saw with the CBD boom, like all of these right. things, we're going to see a boom with psilocybin if there's recreational use that's eventually approved. Um, and so I I think a lot of companies are honestly getting out there because they're like, we see the value and unfortunately, like financially, which fortunately and unfortunately, I think there's, yeah. there's two parts to it, but, um, and so I think that you're just going to see a lot of media around it because, you know, there's private based companies going in there that want to make a bunch of money. There's medical research institutions that want to gain legalization, um, for medicinal use. And, um, and so I think between those, we're just hearing a lot about mushrooms right now. And, and then I think also people are just more interested in natural integrative approaches to health and wellness. And so I think we're seeing that this trend is coming back where it's like, yeah, medications are great when we need them and they save our lives sometimes. Um, but are they really wellness promoting? Like, are they hitting that niche of like, how do we optimize health and wellness? And there's this group mm -hmm. of people that really want to do that right now. And, um, and it's pretty clear that like using food as medicine, using plants and herbs and mushrooms and all of these things, um, are a great way to get that foundation in. Um, and then I also always want to put the caveat of like, I'm so excited to talk about mushrooms with you today, Leanne, but they're not the panacea either, right? Like they are, like we thought like CBD is going to cure everything. And that was the media at that time. And then, you know, we've had all of these booms and I hope we're starting to learn that there is no panacea. Like you cannot replace just a balanced life and diet and all the things with one substance. Um, and so I, we shouldn't be forgetting about all of the adaptogens that aren't mushrooms, you know, that are like holy basil and all of our plants and mm -hmm. herbs. Like these aren't the one thing that's going to cure everything because there isn't that one thing. And a bit further to that, I loved what, uh, what I read on your website that something about health and then also sickness. Yeah, healthcare and, versus and sick care. That was it. Thank you. Healthcare versus sick care. And I thought, that's perfect. When you think about, you know, are there, what are the things that are keeping us sick or, or the ailments or the fogging, the brain fogginess or the pain or the immune system, or like all of these things that are going on in our bodies that then drive us to find things like mushrooms to help that. So like, mm -hmm. there's so many layers to this. Would we need to focus so much on medicinal mushrooms? And I'm not talking about the psychedelic ones when I say that, you know, if there wasn't as much processed food, ultra processed food, as much sugar, as much white stuff, as many boxes, uh, barcodes and bags of food that we typically 
you know, that we typically eat. I mean, that's a discussion yeah. that I think that I think everyone's having, but it's just a good one to bring up again, because as I said off the top, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and mm. medicine be thy be thy food. You know, it's and I think coming back to that, I, I definitely think that there's a piece of this in this call it a new health kick or a trend or whatever yeah. is like, wow, you know, over the past two years, three years now, it's like, what are we, you know, what are we doing with our health? What are we doing with ourselves? And what, what is it that we need to, to kind of get back to? And I think it was kind of in a way, bit of like the forest, let's go back to the forest. Like, wow, look at all these mushrooms and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of crazy. So totally super, super, uh, super positive. All right. So tell us about some of your favorites. Um, and so I'm a gut health specialist. I do everything GI, treat yep. a lot of patients with IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, um, kind of everything in between, but anything with the GI system involved. And so because of that, I, I tend to focus on a lot of things that help the GI system. And one of my favorite mushrooms for the GI system is turkey tail. Mm. Um, and we don't really talk about turkey tail in in the context of GI, a lot of the times, usually we're talking about it in terms of cancer, which is where a lot of the research is. And it's amazing for that. Yeah. Um, but turkey tail also has the ability to help with the microbiomes um, diversity. So we have about a hundred trillion microbes in our gut that make up the gut microbiota. And, um, and that can consist from anything from bacteria to fungi which mushrooms are in that category, mm -hmm. um, to protozoa, to, to all of these different um, just microorganisms. And so, you know, we have a lot of these bacteria and these things are also helping to modulate different systems of the body, including the immune system. But there's crosstalk between our microbiome and our brain and our liver. Um, there's all of these axes. There's one for every part of the body. Um, and so we want to really focus on the gut for general wellness, even if you don't have a GI condition. And what we know about the microbiome research is that we know very little is the biggest right. thing that we know. Um, <laughs> so we're just really entering that space. Um, but one of the things that we're pretty sure about at this point is that the diversity of your microbiome is really one of the biggest things to focus on. And so if you look at hunter-gatherer tribes, you know, we have some that are still in existence that we can study. Um, there's the Hazda tribe. And what we see is that their diversity, the diversity, like how many different species are in the gut. So when we talk about diversity, I like to use the analogy of a forest, right? In the forest, you have all these different species. You've got birds, you've got um, raccoons, you've got any, all these different animals, but you also have all of these different plants. Um, and just like that in our gut, that's what we want to have. We don't want to have an overgrowth of deer, right? We don't have, right. we want, we don't want to have one species that overtakes everything, um, and, and really gets rid of all the other species and that, and that can happen in the gut, but instead we want a little bit of a bunch of different things in the Hazda tribe. That's really what you see is this huge diversity, like all of these different species that are coexisting together. And they're acting in symbiosis with us and with each other, meaning that they do things for each other. They help produce different metabolites that another bacteria might use or a gas that another bacteria might consume to produce something. Um, and they're in symbiosis with us. So the, the metabolites that they're producing 
are going through, crossing over the GI lining, going into our circulation and influencing the health of our liver, the health of our brain, um, all of our different organ systems, um, just like a forest too, right? The trees take in the CO2 and they produce oxygen, the humans and the animals take in the oxygen, produce the CO2 and all these other systems that are coexisting together. And, and that all happens because of diversity. And so turkey tail has um, a few different beta-glucans and beta-glucans for those that don't know are like really the big things in mushrooms that we kind of dive into the mm. research about. Yeah. Um, but it has a few different um, beta-glucans, things like PSP, which is a polysaccharide peptide as well as PSK um, and a few different um, other compounds that can help improve microbial diversity. Um, and so, you know, mushrooms, one of our favorite things about mushrooms is they have a ton of fiber in them and they actually act as prebiotics, which feed our microbes. Yeah. Um, and so turkey tail specifically has really been looked at at this as this powerhouse for supporting our gut health in that way. Um, so I like all mushrooms for the fiber effect. I think that, you know, we, we can look at that. Some people with GI issues won't do well because of that, but that kind of tells me it's not the mushroom that's the issue. Yeah. It's the, you know, it's the, the milieu balance. of the gut that we need yeah. to start to, to alter so that they can do well with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have issues with all sorts of different foods. So they just end up, I'm just going to avoid the food. Yeah. You know, and there's something like dairy and maybe gluten and sugar, those three in particular, that mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't necessarily realize that they don't do so well on it. But mm -hmm. really what's underlying that, no matter what the food is, especially something like mushrooms or um, a lot of the time when people are really having difficulty with their gut issues. And my first recommendation is don't eat anything raw. Just start mm. to Same, steam yeah. or um, gently wilt or something like that. Just take take some of that work from the from the GI tract and a lot of bloating and gassiness is probably the first thing that I hear about that it really helps to ease. So I would imagine, do you find it's the same with mushrooms with your patients? hundred percent. Yeah. So um, like you said, like one of the, my first recommendations for people with any GI issues is let's start treating your gut like a baby's gut. So you would never give a baby raw broccoli to eat, right? No. We feed babies purees and mushy foods and soups and stew, like really easily digestible um, things, especially vegetables, because our, our raw vegetables have all this fibrous material in them, um, which has its benefits. But if you have gut issues, it's going to be much harder for, for you to digest. And so, yeah, just cooking including your mushrooms, but cooking all of your vegetables if GI issues are something that you're targeting is, is a great place to start. Yeah. I, I've heard that you need to cook all mushrooms. Is that yeah. I, I would, Do I, I don't see the benefit of consuming a raw mushroom. Maybe I'll backtrack with that. Um, but even so I'm, I'm the health advisor to Mudwater and they take their mushrooms through the process of, uh, a steam activation in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we will probably get into this, but like you want to make the active components in the mushrooms bioavailable yes. and really cooking is one of the ways that we make nutrients bioavailable to us in general. Um, and that's yeah. definitely the case with my mushrooms where, you know, heat and kind of degrading the chitin, like that shell that encases these um, mushroom cells is, is really important. Um, and it's also why we will we use like tinctures and ethanol and, and water extracts and things to pull out mm -hmm. the active constituents there. There's a, there's a lot of foods, uh, tomatoes come to mind for liberating the lycopene, which mm -hmm. is really important, especially for prostate health. Uh, if you're not cooking your 
um, your tomatoes, then that aspect of the tomato is just not quite as, um, it's just not, like you said, it's not bio available, uh, yeah. as, as bioavailable and you want to try and get as much out of your food as you can, but also just having like a raw tomato salad is a beautiful thing in the summertime. Totally. So, you know, it doesn't have to be like that all the time, but I do believe that in the case of mushrooms, when I go and buy my mushrooms and I have got, you know, probably six or seven bags of all the different types from cauliflower mushrooms to chanterelles to I haven't found turkey tail from my guy at the market I've seen it though and actually as we're recording this it's Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend and turkey is the is the thing that'll be on many many families um plates this weekend so and it does actually look like a turkey like it's a beautiful it's really beautiful yeah. It's kind of like a, a sunset rainbow almost. If you yeah, actually yeah. get to see it, you can just pull up Google images for that. Um, but that's one that I haven't that I haven't found to cook yet. Or my guy that I buy from the market hasn't come up with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is one of the most common mushrooms actually in North America. So you, you can usually find it if you're you know, yeah. somebody who's out in the woods a lot, um, mm-hmm. but it's really common when like um, wood, like uh, trees decompose, you can find turkey yeah. tail there, but it is beautiful. If there was a superlative for like best looking mushroom, yeah, turkey tail would win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It does actually look quite a bit like the chicken of the woods. I have tried that one mm-hmm. and um, the texture of it was almost identical to chicken. Mm. So, much, so much so that I think I overcooked it Mm. And, and then it put me right off. It's, it's kind of like overcooked chicken yeah. <laughs> in texture. And, um, but really that's probably the only mushroom that when I've been cooking them, then, um, then that one was like, yeah, like I still have a piece in the fridge, you know, everything mm-hmm. else has gone in, gone into, you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, so let's get back to kind oh, of yeah. my, my lovely little list of questions, but we can go in any direction, of course. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, if, if someone was to start incorporating some kind of mushroom, and we'll, we'll get into the conversation of what's your best, uh, what's your best option? Because of course, like I do, I have bags of mushrooms and I just cook them all down and then I actually eat them every single day. And then you can get powders, you can get tinctures and all of those kind of things. But how long does it take for someone to kind of feel like if you're doing lion's mane, like, oh, I think I think my brain is a little bit clearer. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say, oh, yeah, I can add up two plus two faster or, you know, something like that. But there is I have definitely noticed a, a shift in my my um, mental fatigue perhaps mm-hmm. since taking um lion's mane but i'm not sure how long it took yeah no it's a good question and lion's mane's on my list of my favorites so i only covered one of them but lion's oh. mane is is right up there it's one of yep. the ones that it's actually the only one that i take daily right now because we have alzheimer's in my family history and so mm-hmm. lion's mane contains a couple of constituents um i i might butcher these but it's heresinones and um Aranecines. And so those are the two constituents that have really been found in the research to increase nerve growth factor synthesis um, in in the nerve cells and um, and possibly reduce the risk for stroke, Alzheimer's, um, a lot of neurodegenerative diseases in general. Um, And so I think like bang for your buck, like looking at lion's mane research um, and doing it on a 
a daily basis um, for me is definitely in my list of things that I'm going to do for a while. And, and that's one, like, I like talking about that in terms of duration too, because that one, you're not going to see results after taking it for two weeks. Um, So a lot of the research when we're looking at lion's mane, especially in the nerve growth factor and prevention of dementia, you know, you're looking at taking that for months, um, years, really, in my mind, um, to get the beneficial effects. So don't be like discouraged if, you know, you take it for two days and you're like, why am I not? It's not like Adderall, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna feel effects right away. Um, and and a lot of plants are like that where like you're in for the long game. Um, it's not a short fix, which is why some people will go towards, um, pharmaceuticals because they can give us that short fix. Um, and so it really depends on the mushroom is the point that I'm trying to make is like something like lion's mane, you're, you're looking at months to years, um, cordyceps, they did a study, really, really small study. So it was likely underpowered, meaning not enough subjects to actually make the the results statistically significant, but they found that it it improved VO2 max, which is um, how much Mm. kind of air you're consuming at a maximum output of exercise um, in only three weeks. And so a lot shorter duration for, for something like that. And then when we're looking at turkey tail, you know, using PSK, um, the active constituent in turkey tail for cancer, a lot of those studies are looking at months. Um, So, you know, several weeks to months um, in those. So it really just depends. And this is where working one-on-one with a practitioner, if you're looking for a medicinal effect, I think is really important because you don't want to be throwing, you know, a couple of milligrams of lion's mane at yourself if you're you're looking at gram dosing there too. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just working with somebody that knows it. If you're looking for general health and wellness, then we could be a lot more lackadaisical saying like just daily use of a bunch of different mushrooms, right. you know, likely will have beneficial effect. Yeah. And something like that's where something like mud water comes in because it, it's more of a, they're not in, it's, it's a, it's a mix. Yeah, totally. So I have a bias because I'm their health advisor. So I was like that making that disclaimer, but um, mud water is a mixture of a lot of different functional mushrooms, um, including lion's mane, reishi and things like that. Um, and you're going to get smaller doses of a bunch of different things, but you're consuming them on a daily basis too. You know, you're having it instead of your morning coffee. Um, and so likely just a general wellness benefit um, right. versus like treating something specific. You want to go high dose. You want to know how right. long to take it. You know, we want to know with food, without food. You want to be much more specific about it. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's um, because on the side of the label, there's no particular, you know, it doesn't say have to. I mean, it says a recommended dosage, but not in the same way that the other um, the other powders that I have tend to say, and of course you can, you can add it to your coffee. If you're still, mm-hmm. some people are like, I have to have it instead of my coffee. What are you talking about? It's got <laughs> something to live up to. But anyway, there's a tremendous story about mud water. You must check it out if you haven't, if you haven't heard about it. Today on Eat This with Leanne, let's debunk the misinformation about mushrooms and really help you choose the one, the product, the type of product that's best for you. So are there any other favorites um, that you have? Um, I, I mean, I love shiitake and maitake because they're food based. You know, we see these in the grocery store and um, and I think we, we don't value how much 
they can do for our health because they are at the grocery store. You don't have to go to a health food store for these ones. Um, And really like shiitake and maitake, they both increase natural killer cells, which we might've, you know, heard a lot more about in the COVID pandemic where really, you know, supporting immune health was everybody's top priority for a few months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But natural killer cells help to fight infections and have a healthy immune response when we face something. Um, Maitake can also lower blood sugar, regulate blood sugar more so, and as well as cholesterol. Um, So really beneficial in terms of reducing the risk for long-term chronic disease. Um, You know, and and that gets to the point of like a lot of mushrooms, actually, I would say all mushrooms are, they're adaptogens. And Mm. so that's a term that we use in naturopathic medicine all the time. Um, But that means that they regulate So, you know, very low likelihood that they're going to put you to a low sugar state, you know, like a hypoglycemia. They really are more regulating factors, um, with the exception if you're on a bunch of medications, you know, you might have to be more careful with these things, but they're really regulators. They help us regulate and respond to stressors um, by regulating our um, adrenal gland function and just regulating things in the body, meaning, you know, something needs to be pushed up. They can help support it that way versus, you know, reducing the effect in other aspects. Yeah, definitely. And especially in to do with the immune system, that regulation, um, I talked about this in one of the episodes 131 or 132 and in, in helping people understand that, you know, if you're if you're getting sick, then it could be or you're eating a lot of sugar or you're a lot, there's a lot of stress going on, you're not sleeping well, then then yeah, your immune system needs to upregulate so that somebody, you know, walking by you or you touch a door handle or whatever it happens to be, you're gonna pick something up. But then there's the case of the autoimmune disorders mm-hmm. where and allergies and the immune system is hypersensitive and we want to just say it's okay you can calm down like mm-hmm. you don't have to fight yourself it's all right we're good and that's the down regulation which it just doesn't really get talked about so much so I think that this is this is the perfect way to do it because it is with food and and I really love the way that you've said you know this is the long game you know, people having superfoods and antioxidants every single day means that mm-hmm. your cells are protected all the time. And and there are some people and in certain situations where you think, oh, I don't want to take this forever or I don't want to, you know, do I have to take this all the time? Or what happens if I take it all the time? Then, you know, my body's not going to be able to do what it was made to do because the supplement is taking over for that. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in, you know, when you're using food-based supplements a little bit like this so um that's definitely something to um you know i think just worth mentioning as a reminder to our lovely loyal listeners yeah um, absolutely our food like nature is way smarter than us most of the time oh, so absolutely <laughs> and there's 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 components of food that we don't even you know that don't even have a name yet and quite possibly won't in the same way that there's so much about the gut microbiome that is just not known <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there's, yeah, there's still so much to be learned. So in talking about, you know, the whole mushrooms as something that you can eat, you know, the shiitake, the mataki, and I got one of those, I got some of that this past Mm -hmm. week, that's a little bit more fall season, apparently, or, you know, from where I am. So that was really exciting to see a new mushroom, honestly, I'm like a kid in candy store around the mushroom table. It's kind of crazy. But there's also tinctures that you can get, there's pills that you can get, there's like Mm -hmm. different extracts. So can you speak to that? Like, you know, what's 
best? What do you do? Because on the tincture bottle, there's not always a milligram dosage and the mud water, there's not so much of the milligram mm-hmm. dosage. So can you speak to that a little bit too, please? Yeah, this is, this is a really important one is like how to look for a product, right? Or like what the yes. differences are. Um, and so let's go over a few aspects of that. Let's go over the forms first. I think it's a good place to start, you know, what you were talking about in terms of extracts or, you know, whole whole mushroom powders. Um, so like an extract is when you are trying to pull out an active constituent for a really specific purpose. And so we do that with PSK, with PSP, the things I was talking about with turkey tail, um, even with um, lion's mane, taking out those aranaceans in it, we can do that too. Um, And I think that that's really important, especially when you are trying to target something or when you're using this for a medical purpose, a medicinal purpose, you're working with a doctor and you're trying to get a really specific health outcome. So that's when we're using extracts Um, and tinctures are really extracts, too. I would put that in the same category. You know, tinctures um, are using either like even a water tincture. We call that a tea, right, where you're using hot water to take out certain constituents. Um, or you're using alcohol to take out certain constituents of an herb or a mushroom. Um, and so I put those into like the more medical targeted approach and, and they're okay. really useful and we use them all the time in naturopathic and functional medicine to get the outcome that we want. Um, when we look at whole mushroom powders, I generally think of those as more like general wellness promoting just, you know, general immune function and overall longevity wellness. And so um, mud water falls into the category of a whole mushroom powder. Um, Any of the powders that you see that have, you know, a whole bunch of different mushrooms in it, they're usually whole mushroom powders, but you really want to look at the label for these things because some of them will just be mycelium or some of them will just be fruiting bodies or um, some of them will say mycelium biomass, meaning that the mycelium, but also what they grew on. Um, Mm -hmm. And really the, the quality is going to vary drastically depending on the company that you purchase from. So doing research is really important saying like, do, the, do these people know what they're doing growing these mushrooms? Unfortunately, with this boom in this functional mushroom market, there's companies that are going to try to make a quick buck. And yeah. so if you're seeing that it's um, mycelium biomass and then you look into the company and you know it's not organic, they don't really care about the growing practices, Um, they may be starting to grow these mushrooms and harvesting really quickly where you don't even have fruiting bodies that have formed. And and that means that likely it's really low in those um, active compounds and the beta glucans. And so this goes to the next point, which is look at the beta glucan level. So like a good product, you know, ideally I'm trying to promote this more. They they're starting to say their percentage of beta glucans in their product. And so great. Yeah. And then you can get, that's like a concentration, right? Where, you know, I'm not just eating the the rice biomass or the sawdust biomass that, that they're growing these things on. And so you're looking for a level of about 30% or higher for beta glucan levels. And that is dependent. So like some mushrooms just have low beta glucan levels, irregardless of the quality, like, you know, reishi versus lion's mane, they're going to have different beta glucan levels. Um, But around 30% or higher, you know, it's a really good quality product in terms of concentration. Some, you know, 20%, 25% might be okay, depending on the species as well. Okay. Um, So that's a good, just like general way to, to 
to look at mushrooms. Organic is su- super important for a couple of reasons in my mind. One, sustainability. We want to make sure that we're not using a ton of chemicals in our environment. And then also your health. You don't want to be consuming chemicals there. Yeah. So most people don't know, but a lot of the mushrooms in the mushroom space are being imported from China um, and in other countries. And first of all, just like all the transport needed to get things here. It's not sustainable for our environment to be shipping these things around the world. Um, And then you also don't know what environment they're growing in, right? So Mudwater is really specific in that they make sure that everything is grown indoors in a really controlled environment and it's third-party tested for heavy metals and things like that because mushrooms are bioaccumulators, which is a great thing for our environment, meaning like they'll like chomp up things that we don't want to be exposed to but we don't want to chomp those things up in after. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you want to make sure you know the environment and that it's a good environment that they're actually being grown in. Um, And, and this is where like wild harvesting versus indoor growing comes in because it sounds great. Like eating wild harvested, you know, mushrooms, like that's awesome. And, and I think it is in certain aspects If it's one person going out, collecting their own mushrooms, eating them themselves. And they know what they're eating. First of all, because there's very deadly mushrooms out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But if a company is wild harvesting all of these mushrooms, mushrooms, then we have to think like, what's that actually doing to the ecosystem? Like, are we wiping out the diversity of our mushroom ecosystem in the environment or is the company replenishing it? Uh, So we just have to be cautious on that regard. Um, Whereas indoor, you're not really worried about that because you're growing what you're then selling. So you're not taking anything from the ecosystem um, that you're not replenishing as well. Um, so all things to consider when you're looking for a product, but I think you're really looking for um, a company that has a lot of integrity that, you know, they care about the environment. Um, they're, they're growing organic mushrooms, I think is really important. So and when you that, say organic, yeah. sorry, just yeah. to, to stop you there. When you say Please. organic and I'm thinking about, you know, these big buildings that I've, you know, that I've seen with all the shelving and then there's all the bags and the mushrooms are coming out and I'm actually trying to grow some lion's mane myself right now. So I've seen the fruiting bodies and just for listeners that are like fruiting bodies, what are you talking about? That's actually the mushroom. The fruiting body is actually the mushroom itself. And the mycelium is like the, the roots. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, and uh, we'll get to this in talking about the difference between that because there are products that have more mycelium, less fruiting, but like all of those kind of things. And that's one of the misconceptions I think that people, mm-hmm. you know, have issues with. So when you, when I think of, you know, these, these, where the mushrooms are being grown are like, what are they spraying in a, yeah. build, in a building? Like if you're, if you're not buying organic and, and they're in the forest, let's say, you know, I don't think many people are going into the forest in spring. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, like in terms of um, mushroom growers, like what pesticides they use, but yeah. they'll definitely, they'll definitely use them That'd if they're not organic, just okay. to make sure that insects aren't consuming them. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you do want to make sure that they're organic. Um, and in terms of wild harvesting, that isn't an added benefit where you're not going to get pesticides on them. They're, they're naturally likely organic or um or there's people that are saying they're wild harvested but they're just kind of growing their mushrooms outside without like really controlling the environment and you can get um mushrooms if they're not controlled in an environment that have 
things on them that you don't want to grow on them, right? You can get other funguses or other, you know, things mm. that can spoil a mushroom too. So you want to make sure your mushroom growers know what they're doing is the big thing. Um, and I'm not a mushroom grower, so I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing when I, if I were to grow a mushroom, but yeah. you want to vet your company is the big thing. Yeah. I am not a mushroom grower or much of a grower of many plants. I managed to water, water them, but mm-hmm. it's fascinating watching this lion's mane sort of do its thing and, and, and pop out of the bag and, and all that kind of stuff. It is really, really fascinating mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, but now I'm definitely going to leave it as long as possible until it looks like what I have purchased from the mushroom guy at the market so that I can get the best effects of it at mm-hmm. the, at the, at the time when we got the bag, then it was, it was uh, sort of starting to grow in the bag. So we just left it for a little while and then realized, yeah, no, that's probably not right. Cause it's not actually, it's not got the air outside of the bag. Anyway, it's yeah. just a wee experiment that I might share on social media just so I people can that. see what on earth I'm talking about. It was just one of those things to try. And also we're doing um, reishi, uh, which is not, I don't think you typically eat reishi. Is that right? You really just use it for tea. Um, you can, you can use, it's, it's really fibrous. And so it would be a tough one just to like have a plate of reishi, but, um, sometimes I'll have people make like a bone broth with it where you're cooking with it, but then you're not actually eating the act, you're straining it out. So you're getting really like a hot water decoction of it. And talk a little bit about tea, like the teas, because you can buy these teas. How much power, mushroom power are you getting out of a tea versus consuming the mushroom itself? Yeah. So a tea, like we talked about before, it's, it is, it's either a decoction, meaning you're actually boiling the mushroom in the water versus adding boiled water to a mushroom and letting it steep. So um, the latter we consider a tea when you take already boiled water, add it to the herb or the mushroom and just let it steep there for a while. Um, and, and that process is helping you to pull out constituents that are water soluble. And so, you know, you have to really understand the solubility of different compounds, whether they're, you know, soluble in alcohol, water, um, or if they're fat soluble, then you're doing an oil-based tincture. Okay. Um, and so, it, but it allows for that bioavailability. It allows for the breakdown of the cells and to to really harvest a lot of those beta glucans that are in there. Right. Um, and so mudwater is actually a, a tea if we think about it, because it we're is. putting mushrooms into hot water and we're letting them steep. And so that you're actually getting more of the bioavailability in that process versus if you were to add a whole mushroom mushroom powder to cold water or to, you know, a smoothie or something, you're not going to get the added benefit of letting it steep in hot water. Um, and really we've been using, um, herbs, mushrooms as teas for probably the longest in terms of medicine. Like that was like really the first medicinal, um, way we figured out how to, to capture the power of plants. Um, and then we moved to different solutions, you know, then alcohol came in, which can pull out other things and and oil solutions and things like that. So I think it's a, it's a great way to consume your functional mushrooms and to get the added benefit of, of that hot water extract. All right. So let's jump over to the mycelium and just kind of break that down. Cause that's another one of the misconceptions that, um, that I think if people have looked into it or maybe they, there's, they're listening and they're thinking, I have no idea what my ceiling is, what you're talking about. Why does this matter? So mm-hmm. can you just talk us through 
um, through a little bit about that, please. Sure. Yeah. Mycelium is fascinating. First of all, have you, have you watched the show? What is it? Um, well, fantastic fungi, but also there's the life of trees or something. I don't know. It's this show about trees, but it just talks about the the mycelium networks that we have like in forests, like these mycelium networks connect like all of the trees, all of the fungi. It's this underground webbing and pathways of, um, of, of fungi that really make communication possible between different um, mushrooms, but also between different trees. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And we have, you know, acres and acres of um, mycelium biomass that exists underneath the earth that um, these different species communicate with. And they can tell each other like, hey, we have an infection, like put up your guards. And then like other species will be like, okay, and they throw up their guards so that they don't get the infection. Um, so it's fascinating. And there was also I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but the the main point of the story is that there was this group, I think in Asia that decided to use mycelium to figure out the fastest way to get somewhere. So I think it was for like their underground transport system. They're like, we don't know how to organize this. And so they were like, we're going to use mycelium because mycelium is smarter than humans probably. Really? (laughs) And and they, they figured out that the mycelium found the fastest way to all of the locations. You know, they made like a map that imitated the map of the city and um, it, it found the fastest way to all of the locations that the humans couldn't figure out on their own. So, I That's mean, incredible. the power of mushrooms we're going to see throughout so many different industries. Like we're seeing it in transportation. What? The, the app of mushrooms and mycelium to get yeah. you to where you need to go. Exactly. Instead of ways, we're going to have like mushroom mapping yeah. or something. Do you think yeah. that maybe a, a good chaga could run for prime minister one day? Sounds like they're pretty intelligent. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just thinking that, you know, if they're if they're running things under the ground, maybe above the ground is, a, is the next option because we're having a hell of a time with what we're doing. Yeah, Chris, I don't I don't doubt like we, we could have a mushroom president like I don't doubt that. I have, I have hope like I, I have hope, I guess I should say. Um, <laughs> I'm voting for lion's mane, though. Oh, like, wow. Like, well, you know? you've, already, you've already hooked your cart to lion's mane. You got the buttons yeah. and the T-shirts printed. Here we go. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it'll be your lion's mane if you like start like singing to it and like giving right. it ideas about the environment. I That's, don't know. A, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just hopeful at this stage that I don't kill it. So <laughs> let's wait a little bit too. And I understand it takes a while for them to grow. So I'm having to be ever so patient. So yeah. That's also Especially great. to grow into a president. Like we have, it's a long time. Exactly. Oh my gosh. We got a long way to go. Listen, the last thing we should be doing, sounds to me like mush, this whole mushroom mycelium world is already as perfect as we can get it. The last thing we should be doing is throwing politics into this because it'll just destroy what has been built over millions of years absolutely so so mycelium i forget where we're even going with that that's okay bring us back sometimes we just get off track i'll bring us back it's all good so like with mycelium should we be consuming that should we look Mm. for that on on the label is this a big part of um you know it kind of gets a, a a bad rap for yeah. like misguided reasons and things like that. So, yeah. And so it's to clarify, I think it gets a bad rap for, for a valid reason, because like I said before, there are people that are just going to market to make a quick buck. Right. And um, mycelium is a way that you can make a quick buck. And those are the companies that are not allowing their, their 
their mushrooms to go to full fruiting body capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are just harvesting mycelium with the biomass before the fruiting body, like even gets a chance at warming. Okay. And so just define biomass before we move on. Yeah. So biomass is going to be the substrate that the mycelium and and then the eventual fruiting body grows off of. So you need to grow your mushrooms on something. Exactly. And so we, instead of calling it soil, we call it biomass. You know, some companies are using oats, rice, sawdust, some companies. So you want to know, like, that's again, integrity based, like what are they actually using? And then some companies are harvesting the mycelium with a bunch of biomass, meaning they're not even trying to kind of like isolate the mycelium. They're just putting all of the grain and the mycelium together, grinding it up and making a cheap product. And that would be really low in beta glucan percentages, which is why I tell you that's a good screening method. Um, And then there's other companies that are really high integrity and they want to harvest the benefits of a mycelium because the mycelium can contain really high concentrations of broader profiles of bioactive compounds. Um, But you don't want to do it with a ton of the biomass included. And you want to wait until um, those fruiting bodies have started to form to really have a mature mycelium that's high in these active compounds. Um, But, you know, you look at the research with lion's mane and and some of the constituents are higher in the mycelium. And in my mind, like, I really think that like whole, like consuming a whole product versus just a component of it probably each component of both plants as well as mushrooms have different benefits to it. And so I think that the, the downside of the mycelium is getting is because we're having these companies that are going, I'm going to make a quick buck. They're not in integrity with the growth process. They're using a ton of the biomass in there. They're not getting, they're getting a really low yield of the beta glucan levels. Um, But if you're choosing a company in high integrity and, you know, it is a mature product, then I think the mycelium has a lot of benefit to it. Um, And and, in some species of mushrooms, maybe even more benefit than the fruiting body. Um, But I don't think like there's these two camps, right? Where it's like fruiting body and then it's like mycelium and it's like, can we all just like coexist? Because we're probably both right. Like everything, like when has a dogma been right? Um, And maybe I'll eat my words for that. And mycelium is the devil, but I currently do not think it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of just like looking at which constituents are you targeting? Is it mycelium or is it fruiting body that's going to have higher levels? You know, fruiting bodies usually will have higher levels of beta glucans in them. Right. Um, but I don't think it's either or. I think we just need to be more observant of what we're trying to go for. How do you consume your mus- mushrooms? Yeah, good question. So I use an extract of, of lion's mane. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use a, a, a whole um, powder of lion's mane as well for other things. Um, and then, I mean, I do do mud water and that's not just my bias is I don't do well with coffee. It makes me like super jittery and anxious. Um, and so I love having my morning mud water and I'll use a little bit extra of my lion's mane in there to get it, Mm -hmm. give it an added boost. Um, And then I love consuming mushrooms from a culinary standpoint too, for my gut microbiome. And so I use shiitake, I use maitake, um, I use all of them, white button mushrooms. Um, I cook with lion's mane sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a mushroom person at our farmer's market. And so I love just like trying new things and, you know, I really go for diversity in my food. So it's like, if I can pick up one new food, whether it's a mushroom or or something else at the farmer's market and try it, then I will. Well, I feel a little left out. I'm the only one here without a mushroom guy. 
I don't know how you find how you find a mushroom guy. All of a sudden, I'm not the cool kid at this club. <laughs> guys... Honestly, unless, unless the guy at the at the farmers market that I go to was yeah. there, and he's been there for years, and it's only probably uh, since I think it was when Doctor Brockenshire said you've got to eat like three pounds of mushrooms a week or something like that. Do you remember that, Chris? Mm-hmm. When we were talking about why people can't lose weight. Um, and in that, uh, you know, in that episode, uh, I think that was episode 119, then I was like, wow, that's a lot of mushrooms. It's like the amount of, of fish that you need to eat in order to get enough DHA or EPA. Um, so it's been an evolution, you know, we're at episode 136 and we talked to Dr. Brockenshire at episode 119 and only now am I really incorporating mushrooms in a culinary way into my diet every single day so while you're listening to us say this is the kind of thing that we're doing now just know that with everything it's an evolution of oh yeah let me try the white button mushrooms a little bit more i haven't bought those for a while and then you can try the portobellos or you can get the shiitakes if that's what you can find in your in your supermarket and then there might be a different kind because it's more seasonal you know there's all there's so many steps that you can that you can take and any mushrooms are going to be of benefit the ones that we're talking about the turkey tails and things like that that's probably going to be finding a mushroom guy i'm intrigued on the taste of the mud water and what it kind of tastes like i mean i drink coffee yeah. and have since i was 15 years old uh and it's sort of habitual now um i don't get any sort of benefit i put that in quotations uh from it in terms of a, a jolt of energy or anything like that but the the mud water intrigues me in the sense that i wonder what it tastes like because that for me is first and foremost yeah yeah and it doesn't taste like coffee so um just because we talk about it as like a coffee substitute mm. it doesn't mean that it's supposed to it's not mimicking coffee and doesn't taste like coffee it's a chai based product and okay. so um, it tastes like chai, and that's where it gets some of its caffeine from, too. But it has about one-seventh the amount of caffeine, which turns out is pretty good for me. Um, <laughs> when I go when I go full board coffee, you're like, you don't want to have a podcast with me, for sure. I don't <laughs> really do. Yeah. I, I, no, um, I really do. I with, I we we, we really want to have Dr. Mary yeah. back on with a little coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we can do, like, espresso shots and just see what happens. Yeah. Oh, imagine. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I did a podcast once where we did kombucha shots and it Ooh. turned out silly. So if we did espresso, like, I don't, I can't even guarantee that it would be like, okay for people to watch. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has a really, really earthy taste. It is mm. a little bit of an acquired taste. So if you don't like like herbs and mushrooms, like it might be like a eh in the beginning, it has like a really earthy taste to it. The chai is really grounding for me. Um, I love it. And, and yeah, I just, it, I've, it's grown on me a little bit too. Like at first I was probably not like, I love it, but um, yeah. it's definitely my go-to at this point. Yeah. I think it's one of those things and, and, you know, people can add it to other drinks. I put it with my uh, dandy um, powder. That's okay. a dandelion blend of like a coffee substitute kind of thing. It doesn't really taste like coffee, but there's, it's a little bit, there's a little bit in there. Um, so I'm just trying out a whole bunch of different things, but Chris, in my experience, it's quite a subtle taste. Actually, the mm-hmm. first time I tried, uh, I tried it, I think I maybe just put in like half a teaspoon or something like that. And I was like, mm, it's kind of brown watery. That's not so there's not, there wasn't really much taste or flavor to it. And then, uh, and then I slowly increased it and, um, yeah. And then it's, it's a, it's a subtle it's a subtle flavor. I don't find the chai 
chai is not a favorite of mine, so I don't find it overwhelmingly sort of spicy or anything like that. Some some of them can be, some of them mm-hmm. can be can be less so. Um, and I actually took it to work and had a few colleagues try it out. So we were all sort of sitting over our mugs going, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is pretty good. Um, no one said, oh, God, I wouldn't do that again. But I think, as you said, just kind of keep on trying it. It's an acquired taste. And and that doesn't mean that it does that it tastes bad. I just think you, the grounding that you get from it, it's very subtle. But if you've got more awareness of, hmm, how do I feel while I'm drinking this, which doesn't typically happen because we're going at, you know, 100 miles an hour all day mm-hmm. long, I think that, that you'll kind of become in tune with it. And like, wow, yeah, that actually was really grounded. Yeah. And, and Mudwater as a, as a company is super high integrity. And I love really the mission that they have, which is to transform their workplace um, and so part of like the whole philosophy is, is the morning ritual and like really making it a ritual, which is what your hot beverage usually is. And that's why yep. people don't want to give up their coffee or whatever, because it's more of the ritual process of waking up and that smell and sitting with it and, you know, holding the hot cup, um, but really creating that around um, something that makes you feel really good throughout the day. Um, and And so I think you know, I really like Mudwater for that. It's just that they have this real high integrity of wanting to create this experience, not just mm. the product. Fascinating stuff. And we could keep on talking, but we'll we'll finish off there. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Mary, for coming on and talking about your experience. I think this is a, it's lovely. I've, you know, I've talked about the mushrooms. It's great to get someone else's perspective and experience with it as well. So thanks for taking taking us on the journey of kind of going deeper 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 dive in terms of mushrooms awesome thank you leanne thank you chris all right so there was some more magical information about mushrooms not the magical mushroom but those those really important mushrooms that everybody can benefit from. And after episode 131 and 132, and now this episode, are you ready to dive into the adaptogenic benefits of mushrooms? Chris? Uh, I think I've been on that bandwagon a little uh, recently. Um, Yeah? Yeah, I've always been a bit of a mushroom fan, uh, more on the culinary side of things. I love Mm -hmm. mushrooms in just about everything from... And my my omelets in the morning to my uh, my salads uh, over lunch. Um, I even love a, a grilled mushroom, um, mm-hmm. uh, mushrooms and onions on my steak. Uh, like I, 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 me, I I love the the uh, um, adaptiveness of a mushroom when it comes to yeah. cooking it, and because the, the, they tend to they tend to add a little meat. On a sort of a ve- in a vegetable way of thinking, they sort of add a little meat to any meal, and yeah. you can and they take on any flavor you throw at them. So that, for that reason, on a culinary side, I've always been a big fan. Yeah, 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 really, really tasty. And you know, understanding a little bit more about some of this misinformation, I do hope that this you know that this really has helped. No matter what health issues from like I thought about something um, when I was prepping for this about candida. Now I did a deep dive into this in episode 97 and the typical dietary restrictions when you're going on an anti-candida diet to deal with that yeast, that fungus, the, the, uh, you know, the athlete's foot, the jock itch, the, the vaginal itching, the bloating, like there's so many situations that are foundational to candida. 
And typically, you're told no mushrooms. So no sugar, first of all, limit the amount of uh, fruit that you're having. And it's a sp pretty specific diet. But some of the misinformation in terms of don't have any mushrooms, well, shiitake mushrooms can actually help with candida. And we talked about the upregulation and the downregulation of the immune system with Dr. Mary, and also in terms of IBS. I mean, she just talked about that. She's in the gut health space as well as I am. So knowing that mushrooms, the support to your gut microbiome, which is where candida lives, really is incredibly important. And also when we talked to Dr. Brockenshire in episode 119, in, in having that gut microbiome balance can actually help you balance and lose your weight. Now, we all might be carrying a little bit too much. I'm definitely carrying a little bit extra weight. So I'm interested to see what happens as I continue to eat mushrooms all the time. I've definitely felt benefits so far. Now, as Dr. Mary said, ask the questions of who, you know, when you're buying your mushrooms, when you're clicking through on a website, you gotta ask the question, you gotta look for that information. And if it's not there, the amount of beta-glucans, for instance, then you gotta ask the question. Now, in previous episodes, I've talked about Giddy Yo, um, which is a company that I've gotten some of my tinctures from. You'll find all that information over on leannephillipson.com. And with a discount code of eat this, you can get uh, 15 to 20% off your purchase, which is always great. Um, but you got to ask, where are the mushrooms grown? On what medium? Are they organic? How are they extracted? What parts of the mushrooms are you being used? Because all of these factors can affect the final product. Now, these questions, they absolutely deserve answers for you to be satisfied about your purchase and have confidence that what you're buying and delving into the world of mushrooms is actually worth your time and your money. Now, I'm still working through my powders, so I'll feel more confident soon to share the brand that I've been working with uh, just to kind of try it out. Not quite there yet, but I, as I said, I've tried the mud water and added it to various drinks, and it's been really quite nice. So that's a wrap on our fungi kingdom, I think, for a little bit, I believe. There is a tremendous... Um, uh, I think it's a documentary uh, over on Netflix. I'll put that link also in the show notes on leannephillipson.com so that you can check that out if this really is something that's interesting to you. And yeah, I'll, I think I'll try and post a few pictures of my lion's mane and my reishi mushrooms. So be sure to follow me on social media on Leanne Phillipson and Sprout Right channels. You can sign up for my weekly newsletters there to stay ahead of the rest when it comes to me sharing stories, deals, announcements. And of course, you can subscribe and share this to as many people as possible. Everyone deserves to have the knowledge that you do, no matter what they choose to do with the information. <laughs> So thanks so much for being along. Thank you so much for being a part of the almost 250,000 downloads that we've had of Eat This with Leanne now, Chris. I think it's actually over 250,000. I had a quick check the other day. So that's pretty epic for having gone, uh, you know, been doing this for a couple of years. Well, two and a half. I don't even know how long we've been doing this for. But anyway, <laughs> it's great. That's I'm such so a glowing and such a glowing endorsement. I don't know how, how long I've been doing. It, you know why? Because we're because I'm in the closet and 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 that that year or 18 months in the middle of COVID mm. has just kind of like blurred my life timeline. 
Right. Yeah. No, I get it. It's easy to kind of get. It's like the pre-COVID. It's the during COVID. It's the post-COVID. It's it's easy to get trapped. Yeah. To get trapped behind your Chanel sweaters and your Gucci jeans and, and, and realize that they're. You know, there is a whole other world out there, and there's 250,000 people out there that have listened and learned and laughed along with us. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It, it really is great. Yeah, we're having impact, Chris, which is really, that's my goal, to help people to, um, you know, make, make better and informed better and informed decisions for themselves. So thank you as always for being along. Head over to leannephillipson.com for more information. And also for people who have been emailing me about the episodes that they can't find over on the usual channels, then you can definitely find those, especially the booze one. That one's coming a few times this week. You'll find those episodes over on leannephillipson.com as well. So thanks so much for being along. And as always, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. 